you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Eric the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront <laughs> yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin the Addisons. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. It is day three as we're broadcasting from NRB in mm-hmm. Orlando, Florida. And uh, today we are going to um, I hopefully encourage you in some of the content that we want to talk about. Uh, I want to just kind of get right into content because I was, I was reading an article mm-hmm. uh, last night and I thought, you know, or maybe it was earlier this morning. I lose track of days. I think it was early this <laughs> early this morning. Maybe it was still dark out. But anyway, I was reading an article, and um, and as I was reading this, I just could not stop thinking that a lot of what happens in our country, and, and our listeners know we talk about the cultural issues, and we want to filter yeah. that through a biblical lens. Yeah. Where do we stand in culture where it depends on, you know, how we navigate Scripture, meaning through the Word of God, like filtering mm-hmm. everything through the Word of God. So... I was looking at this article here. It's talking about um, the pushback that Target is getting. And I'm going to get into a little bit of it in this first segment here. Uh, and then my my observation as I was reading this article is that a lot of what has become normalized in our culture today, a lot of what has become normalized uh, in our homes is really largely based on what we have an appetite for. Mm. So the moment we look out into our collective society yeah. and we say, that's disgusting, Right, And we say, I, I cannot stand that. I can't stomach that to keep consistent with the illustration here. Then our culture has a way of collectively flushing that. Right. It's like so this is this is something that I think is interesting and unique about the American experience or experiment. Right. That you when you have a group of people who collectively say, hey, we reject that, mm-hmm. you know, like we still live in a type of society where um, your dollars matter and what you do, like if you're consistent in your rejection of whatever the, the culture is pushing out, then then we can see the effects of that. And so I want to talk about what's going on with Target. Many of our listeners know that for a number of years we have invited our listeners to boycott Target. Target was loud and proud in allowing mm-hmm. uh, men to enter into women's changing facilities and restrooms uh, unapologetically, they were doing this, putting daughters, uh, putting women at risk. And, and so right. we said, no, women should be safe. When they go to try on clothes at Target, they should be safe. And so many people all across the country responded to that and continue to respond to that. Um, I'm not saying this to boast in this. I mean, this is just this is my preference. Uh, but our family, um, we haven't shopped at Target since we started the boycott, like and and, <laughs> and, and we haven't missed a beat. Like no. it's not something that is life sustaining for mm-hmm. us, uh, but it's our way of rejecting what the culture is pushing out. And many of our right. listeners do this in different ways. You you take a break from something because they've pushed something that's offensive to you. Well, Target is in the news again because Target has rolled out at the beginning of May. Uh, Target began rolling out its so-called Pride Collection. Now, I want to tell you why this. This on its own is not a story because this happens consistently in our culture, mm-hmm. right? Like every store, because of the corporate equality index, thanks right. to HRC, right. the, every store is rolling out some form of like, you know, 
when the music plays. So they can be in good standing. In good standing. They're trying to get those, <laughs> those corporate equality index scores up. They're trying to hit 100, right? So here is the article. This is a Reuters uh, article, and I found it really interesting. I think our listeners will understand why. Target, which rolled out its Pride collection at the start of May, is pulling some products from its stores after facing customer backlash, saying it was acting to protect employee safety. That's what the company told Reuters. Now, (laughs) this is what the company is saying, but I will tell you, I think that there is something more to this. And as we get into the article, I think many of our listeners will be able to discern or detect it as well. So Target is offering... um, more than 2,000 products, including clothing, books, music, and home furnishings as part of its Pride collection. The items include gender-fluid mugs, queer all-year calendars, and books for children ages 2 to 8. 2 Titled uh, (laughs) books, the books for children ages 2 to 8, titled Bye Bye Binary, Pride 123, and I'm Not a Girl. Since introducing this year's collection, we've experienced threats impacting our team members' sense of safety and well-being while at work. This is a statement that came from Target. Now, I think some of that may be true, but I think the bigger question is, what's fueling the outrage? What Mm. is underpinning the outrage that is coming from parents? I don't think, I really don't think that parents are calling Target and saying, we're going to come and harm your mm-hmm. employees. Yeah. But as you'll see, as we continue going through this article, uh, there are many people who are showing up and who are saying this is outrageous. Yeah. This is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And you will not have our dollars. I think that what Target is experiencing, and, and this is crazy to me, I think they're experiencing the Anheuser-Busch backlash. Mm. I really, and, and, and let me tell you why I think they are feeling this. They are feeling this because I think collectively our culture said, wait a minute, Anheuser-Busch is buying back beer cans? Wait a minute. People were allowed to reject this man masquerading as a woman, and, and that worked? So, so now everyone feels like, okay, we can kind of show up in this moment, and in particular we're talking about defending and protecting children. That's good. Back to this article. Okay. Given these volatile circumstances, we are making adjustments to our plans, including removing items that have been at the center of the most uh, significant confrontational behavior. This is the... Uh, This is, again, a statement from Target. Target's been celebrating Pride Month for more than a decade, but this year's collection has led to an increase in confrontations between customers and employees uh, and incidents of Pride merchandise being thrown on the floor. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So, So when people walk in, they don't want to be bombarded with these messages. And now they know that they can say something about it. Now, and this is... So can I say, I'm happy when we get here as a society. I'm happy when we get here as a culture. But can I say there's a little zest that I'm kind of like, why, why is the beer distributor sort of like setting the, the like, <laughs> right, why is it right. that the backlash yeah. against beer, the beer consumption or the, 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 the beer mm-hmm. industry, like why, why is the liquor industry <laughs> sort of leading the way and saying, oh, we upset some people? We better walk that back. Why is it that for women, like you can you can have men masquerading as women in the makeup areas and, and mm. we still are going to buy the makeup? You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're still going to go into the stores. Why right. is it that the men, you know, you've, you've got, what is it, uh, Kid Rock blowing up, <laughs> shooting up <laughs> beer cans. And so now everyone feels like, yeah, no, we really don't want a man dressed like a woman on a beer can. Hmm. And so now everybody feels like they can say something. And I think that Target is experiencing that. And, and this just shows to me or it just shows me 
that whatever Americans have an appetite for, and look, we try to ignore this. We try to pretend like we're not responsible for what is happening in our culture. But whatever we have an appetite for, that is what grows Mm. in American culture and in American context. And so as much as we would lament the state of our society, the state of our country, I think we have to take a step back and we have to say, well, what have we consumed? There's a reason that Anheuser-Busch has to buy back beer cans. There's a reason that Target is not only taking these items off the shelves, they're removing it from their website. And in some stores where there there are certain items that they're still keeping, they are moving from front and center way back in the stores, right? There's a reason that they're doing this because the American public has said, we don't have an appetite for that. And it would be a great thing if they could uh, just understand that ongoingly, that, man, when you say something, when you see something and you say, hey, we're against that, that, that has power. Yes. And people, they care about even their, their bottom dollar. That's right. Well. That's you know, right. They feel like, man, um, if I'm going to lose money in this, if I'm going to just uh, stir up my customer base yes. you know, for an, in a negative way, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Yes. You know, and I'm glad people will realize that. And that's what we have continue. to show. Yeah. That's, that's exactly the point that I'm making, that we have to show no. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I think and so here and, and I want to be fair because I don't think that largely what we have seen is like an American populace that's kind of like we want all of the pride stuff shoved in our face. But mm-hmm. what we have seen is we've seen a group of individuals who have been scared quiet. Like, right. I don't want to say right. anything that's right. going to make me appear to be hateful. Right. And so now I think when you look at how aggressive this this group of people is when you look at how um, just wicked. Mm -hmm. So, for example, here's one of the things that Target has removed or pushed further back into the stores. There was a swimsuit. There's a swimsuit in the women's section at Target that was marketed as being something called, quote unquote, tuck friendly. Mm. So, in other words, a (laughs) swimsuit Mm -hmm. for men. Right masquerading as women. You, right. Everybody understand. Okay, so Target is doing this while at the same time mentally abusing children and selling books that and selling content and, and selling items that have been pushed by one particular artist who is out front in glorifying Satanism and the occult. Mm. And so they've removed all of those items. But here's the point that I ultimately want to make, even as I was reading this and I was just thinking through this and I, you know, I'm going, Lord, like the reality is Wickedness has advanced in our culture through those little gaps Mm. in society. And whether that's like the gap of fear of man, you know what I mean? Whether that's the gap of like, we we just don't know, we can't say, or maybe it's the gap of like consumption. Yeah. The things that we say we hate publicly, are we privately consuming those things? And I think that's the question. I think that's the, the big question. I think if we survey, we would say that, some of the things that we abhor publicly, privately, there's no problem. And, and that's hypocrisy. Yes. And so yes. the thing is, I'm, I'm hoping that from things like this happening in culture, that there will be, uh, hey, we don't want this. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be pretty stern about it. We're going to keep our foot on, on the gas. Yeah. You know, and not be uh, placed into a corner where that's right. I can't say anything about that's right. you know, what's going on. So. This is encouraging, but at the same time, you have to do a self-evaluation on what are you consuming? What, what am are, I consuming? You know, am, am I publicly outraged, but in private, 
Yeah, it's all okay. Right with these and and I'll tell you what that looks like because I think some of our listeners would be like, well, I would never walk around wearing a pride shirt or I would not buy a a book that normalizes the confusion that is transgenderism. I would not participate in that. But and and that may be true, but what many Americans will do, even well-meaning Christians, is they will consume entertainment that normalizes it. Right. So it's like so you've got you've got collective Christians saying this is outrageous. We can't believe this is happening. But then you've got those who are the producers in society saying, eh, but our ratings show that you actually like it. Like you guys wow. are you're, you're complaining, yeah. but we yeah. got the numbers to show that you're downloading and you're streaming and you're watching and you're liking and you're sharing. And and, and, and all of this stuff is being held up against that public outrage. But they know Privately, it's like, and I don't remember the statistic, but I, I remember reading years ago that whenever there were like Christian conventions that came into town, that pornography consumption at hotels like skyrocketed. Like, wow. you know, so it's like this public outrage, but then there's this private okay. consumption. So what I'm saying is, right. if we can see publicly here that the, <laughs> the beer consumers of America have <laughs> been able to make a difference. I, I look, I don't want to be like, I want to be respectful. Okay. I don't, I'm not trying to like stereotype people. Oh, okay. Yeah, I am. I'm stereotyping people. I stereotype. <laughs> um, but can you imagine that it's like, you know, the, the, the beer consumers are like, well, now that's just too much. Like we're, not, we're not having right. a man lady on the can. Like you got to get the man lady off the can. And so what, what happens then is Anheuser-Busch has to go back and they've got to buy up all those cans because people are like, we refuse. We refuse. I think that this is, um, this is very telling and I think it should be embarrassing to the body of Christ, mm. right? And, and what do I mean? Why, why am I saying that? I'm saying because if you've got people who are able to make a difference by showing that kind of outrage collectively and ongoingly, and yet in the body of Christ, we have the greatest reason to be vocal about what is sin, what is rebellion against a holy and righteous God who loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. But we keep quiet on that because we want to be well-liked. Like we say, I'm not going to say anything about that because it might affect my ability to insert the gospel. Hmm. Well, how are you going to get to the gospel? Like think about 1 Peter 3.15, right? This is our apologetic scripture, okay? Yeah, we got to be yeah. ready to give a reason. How are you getting there if you're not living differently, which is reflected in chapters one and chapters two until you get to 315? Like, so you've got to live in such a way. You've got to defy what is happening in the in the public. And you've got to say no to all of the stuff that is normal in our culture so that when people look at you, they're like, why? Why are you doing that? We're not angry parents going into Target and ripping things from shelves. Mm -hmm. No, we are parents who believe that there is a holy and righteous God who judges sin and loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, that we could not only have eternal life, but we could live a different life even here in in the waiting. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. 
And uh, today we're going to talk about the Word of God. We're going to talk about the importance, which is a great transition to make, right? Like, (laughs) I mean, coming out of the last segment that we just had where we're talking about what the world is in desperate need of, and that is the truth, right? So it's a nice transition for us to be able to talk about the Word of God. Michael Woolworth joins us uh, in this segment. He's a senior director of broadcast media for Bible League International. So many of our listeners are familiar with your voice. Mm. Like, I I feel Mm. like what happens, like, especially when there are spots on AFR, like, people are like, I know. Hey, no. give the number. Hey, give you've, give the you've number. You made the connection. <laughs> hey, I had to sit down, and, and I helped you realize. Congratulations, ten year anniversary of your this show. This is so yes. true. Thank you. You oh, did help us Aaron realize Anderson. that. Uh. We, um, my goodness, we started the show. I guess back in May or maybe the latter part of April. I don't remember now. 2013. In 2013. Okay. And so, yeah, we're All celebrating right. ten years of of working together. And handling all of the comments, like the one you just made, Michael, <laughs> about him not talking a whole lot. Well, I said he, that off air. He's like, you're the you one who bring brought it, it to air. air. Right. He's like, no right. one knew until yeah. you just said. No, we're talking about Bible League mm. uh, International and the incredible work that the Lord has done. Uh, you guys have been a ministry partner of ours. We've partnered with you oh, yeah. for a number yeah. of years. And oh. what a blessing that has been. Well, I love your show and appreciate your passion, oh, uh, Meeky and Will. And uh, thanks for a few moments. Yeah, just to sit down and say a couple things. Number one, AFR, thanks for being so incredibly kind to Bible League. We have done kingdom business over many, many years. The mm. result is that literally thousands and thousands of Bibleist believers around the world um, are now holding a copy of the Bible, right? Can you wow. imagine? Awesome. I mean, we can't even figure out what that's... Uh-huh. Okay, if I needed a Bible, you'd say, what, I'd go to a Christian bookstore, I'd... Mm-hmm. You know, I'd go to a discount retailer, not Target, of course, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Or I'd have Amazon drop one on my front porch by tomorrow morning, right? But those aren't options in the part of the world that I want to talk about today. Mm-hmm. And we are focused on the region of Asia. And I'll tell you why. It's very noteworthy. This is where Christianity is growing fastest in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Barner Research will tell us it's not America, right? In fact, church growth here is somewhat stunted on the mm-hmm. decline. We pray that that changes quickly, right? Yeah. But it does cause you to look at places in the world where it really is happening. It's places like Latin America. That's number three. Two is the continent of Africa, and number one is this region we're talking about today, and that is Asia. Think about China and India, Mm. Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Thailand. I just got back from Malaysia. We work in 11 uh, Asian countries um, as Bible League, and we can estimate because of this growth, which is 4% 4 a year, which is about double what you see elsewhere in the world, right? Uh, about 500 million evangelical or Protestant Christians in that part of the world. So every year that growth rate, rate means what? 20 million new evangelical Christians. Now listen, this growth is, uh, is it's, it's uh, noteworthy. Why? <clears throat> think about the storied history in recent decades in this part of the world. You would think that Christianity doesn't have a chance. The Chinese Cultural Revolution, right? When, when Mao, Zed- uh, Mao Zedong, he turned family on family, right? Mm-hmm. If you were a Christian, you were turned in uh, to the yeah. authorities by your own family. Family, right? Yeah. The yeah. Vietnam War, um, mm. Pol Pot in, in mm. Cambodia killed two million people. A lot of those were evangelical Christians, right? Um, the threat of Kim Jong Un today, right? Yeah. In mm-hmm. India, if you tell somebody, this is what Jesus means to me, would you like to come into kingdom life? 
they can throw you in jail. So for all of those reasons and many more, it's remarkable that God is really really moving mightily. I mean, people are having, there's revival happening there. There's spiritual awakenings to the gospel. And so we estimate that as many, because of this great growth, right, it's a great problem, as many as nine of ten believers have no access to the Bible. So if you've got ten fingers, listeners, don't do this if you're driving, right? But hold (laughs) up both hands. You've got ten fingers staring at you, right? Put a thumb down. Nine of ten believers in that region have no access to the Bible. Now, listen, we've been talking about this the last few weeks on American Family Radio, and your listeners have really responded in incredibly uh, generous fashion. We've said by the end of June, what is that, another four or five weeks, we want to bless 16,000 Bibleist believers that we know by name in that region, especially in Malaysia. I'll tell you about that in just a moment. And today we're at 8,000. 8,000 believers mm-hmm. who had no hope of a Bible, right? Because their governments, they hate Jesus. They don't want to see Christianity advance. Right. Think about communist China. Think about the influence of radical uh, Islam. There's a lot of other influences. I mean, there's poverty. And if you live remotely, where there's no Christian bookstore close by, right? No chance of Amazon dropping a box of Bibles right. in your village. Right. Uh, there's factors. But anyway, bottom line is your listeners, you're doing something about them. Before we wrap up our time today, we'll give you um, a way that you can get involved if you feel so moved to uh, send the Bible halfway uh, around the world to the region of Asia. You, you know, what's always amazing to me is how organizations like this start off. So I was reading about the history mm. and how yeah. there was a couple who purchased a hundred Bibles and yes. just begin yeah, to you've pa- done your research. Will. Well, I'm, I'm like, man, cause it, it amazes me how the faithfulness of a few, you know, it turns into this organization yeah. down yeah. the line that is faithful in, in doing God's work. Yeah, you know, that couple was named uh, William and Betty Chapman. They were in the Chicago area. He'd suffered a heart attack. He was on his deathbed. An elder of the church came, prayed over him, said, Lord, restore his health. And when that happens, would you give him a ministry? He had no idea what that looked like, but he was all about his health being restored, right? So God did restore the health of William Chapman, and together he and his wife, Betty, in the Chicago area began to knock on doors with a simple question. Do you have a a Bible in the home? No. If we give you one, uh, would you promise to read it? And so they began to develop this hunger, right? Yeah. Right? Just an act of worship and obedience after his health was restored. And here we are 85 years later. Amazing. (laughs) <laughs> We're still following that that uh, original ministry charge. We've learned to refine ministry yeah. over the years, but uh, Will and, and Miki, you know, by God's grace and through wonderful listeners like yours, we reach about 4,000 people a day mm. with the gospel around the world. And mm. um, we do that in Asia, we do that in the Middle East, in Latin America, Europe. Uh, we do it a little bit here in, in the States. Uh, but that's what God does uh, through us and through wonderful listeners uh, like you and, uh, and you like like yours. And so um, it's happening. We're so grateful, mm-hmm. again, for all the support over the years. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you have the incredible opportunity of doing is, is making known what the Lord mm-hmm. is doing through mm-hmm. his word uh, all around the world. And I'm, I'm hoping that you'll share some of those incredible testimonies of the mm-hmm. impact of the Word of God mm. in the hands of His people. Yeah, you know, I recently got back from Malaysia. Worst, worst case of jet lag I've ever had, right? <laughs> Somebody said you're getting older, Michael. But anyway, we have friends that fund those trips. We never take from, you know, these this, these Bible campaign funds. But somebody f- funds those. I essentially take a digital recorder, and I go and I meet with pastors and evangelists and lay people and just Christians in general in places like the country of Malaysia, the largest Muslim-majority country in the world. And we, we saw evidence of that. We weren't there primarily to kind of see the influence of, of Christianity on Islam there. 
But we went deep into the uh, jungles of Malaysia, just off the South China Sea. Who were the people that we encountered? They were defined as the Longhouse people. They were a tribe of people that spoke the Iban language, I-B-A-N. What was their story? Well, you know, Longhouse is a housing concept that dates back thousands of years in, 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 in Southeast Asia, right? If you can imagine a, a, a long wooden structure as long as a football field, maybe a little shorter in some cases, mm. two, three, four, five hundred people live in these things, right? They have a door. Each one has a door. We would probably think of that as an apartment, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's who these people were. They were self-sustaining. Where I stayed, no electricity, no running water, right? We had no internet for several days. I thought my life would fall apart, (laughs) but, you know, God intervened. But anyway, uh, those were the people that we encountered. Here's where they were spiritually. Uh, They were animists. Uh, They believed that there are spirits and places and things, all Mm -hmm. right? So they lived very superstitious lives. Um, they had no peace. They didn't know Jesus because, you know, again, they, they had no peace, right? That's who these people were. Uh, once a month, they would sacrifice the blood of a chicken, right? They'd pull a chicken out of their flock and, 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 and sacrifice the blood to appease the gods, right? They had to get the blood right in, in, in measures in three equal basins. That's the best wow. way to kind of describe it. If they didn't, they wouldn't appease the gods. One night when they did that, one of the elderly women uh, in, in one of these families um, died. They said, oh, we've not appeased the gods, right? But God did something very special in the coming days, actually through the suffering of a family. Let me tell you what it was. They had a young daughter, an infant, who was not taking the nourishment of her mother. She was on death's doorsteps, uh, doorstep, Will and, and Miki. And the only thing the, uh, the shaman could do in that village was curse the illness, right? Couldn't do anything beyond that, right? But mm-hmm. next day, God brought a, uh, a Christian into their path, somebody who knew of uh, this tribe, these longhouse people, and prayed that God would restore the health of that little girl, much like he did William Chapman, our founder, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I can tell you almost immediately the health was restored to this young girl. And this wow. family in grateful response says, we are forsaking our pagan practices and beliefs. We're done with all of that. We are going to follow Jesus. Ah, and all of those longhouses have a headman. He's, he's the main guy. We couldn't go into the ones that we went in without having his blessing, right? They simply would not permit outsiders to do that. But we could come in, and I can tell you, in the months before we were there, these people were learning what it means to die to self, to put on Christ. How is Jesus both God and man, uh-huh. right? Now, that's a big deal if you had no idea who Jesus was, any idea of what Christianity is all about. So Bible League provided that study, and at the end of that, we promise you a Bible in your own language, right? And that's where Bible League's been positioned 85 years to be able to do that, because I know people have run down to the AFR studios with a box of Bibles from the basement, right? Hey, <laughs> we, we, you know, I, I hear the need. It's like, well, if you're an Ebon speaker or you're a Chinese speaker in, in, in China, an English Bible does you no good. Yeah. So that's what God is doing around the world. Wow. You're not going to find that on the front page of your paper or the you know your favorite cable news source. That's why I love a few minutes today with you, uh, Miki and, and Will. God's doing an amazing thing uh, in Asia. And because of this incredible growth that's happening so rapidly, we struggle as a ministry to keep up. But today's just a little glimpse to tell you, rejoice at the gospels going forth. He has a church in a place like Asia, and we get to step into those stories today. There's a need right now. I promised 500 Christians when I left Malaysia and, you know, went, went home to sleep for not sleep for about three weeks' time. It was worth every sleepless night to think about what God is doing there. Yeah. But again, that's an opportunity right now, AFR listeners, uh, to get involved with these brothers and sisters. Former animists had no idea who Jesus was, absolutely no peace, and today they're members of our spiritual family. Do you Amen. think the scarcity of God's Word um, <clears throat> creates a different 
hunger and appreciation. I, I guess when, whenever we talk about God's word, I think about where we are in this country, and I just yeah. can't help yeah. but to kind of compare how casual we are with God's word, yeah. how yeah. on any given Sunday it's sort of like an option whether or not it's opened. Um, maybe you get a couple anecdotes or maybe you get a cultural reference um, and then you maybe tack on a scripture, but we don't open the word. We'll just put it up on a screen for you. And then that's, you're good. You're good until I see yeah. you next week. Yeah. Yeah. And I compare that to a lot of the testimonies I hear coming from other countries. And it seems that there is such a hunger and a thirst for God's word. Yeah. I'm wondering what you've observed as the reason for that. Well, I, you know, what's the problem here in America? You know, Bibles are plentiful, maybe not a strong interest in opening and, and reading them, right? Mm-hmm. It's altogether different around the world. I've given Bibles to former jihadists, you know, they were going to blow themselves up, you know, in the name of Allah, mm-hmm. but they came to, they come to find Jesus, right? <laughs> the village witch doctor, I remember it was Super Bowl week, it was, I was in Tanzania, Africa, and this gal had lived 65 years of her life in spiritual darkness, but when I gave her that Bible, knowing she left all of that to follow Jesus, wow. she shouted, the, 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 all, those who were there to celebrate with her and many other Christians that day, they, they oilated, they shrieked in the line, it was so high-pitched, you had to cover your ears, right? <laughs> but the men, I mean, they were excited. They knew that this woman had been delivered from the grips of spiritual darkness. Hey, listen, I've been to football rallies. This thing, this thing far morphed that, right, to <laughs> wow. see people excited about the Bible. You know, they, 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 they cry, they sing, they dance. When I got my first Bible, I was happy about it, but I got to tell you, me right. and Will, right. I don't remember crying or singing or dancing, right, right or ovulating to where people had to cover their <laughs> right. ears because that was such a joyful uh, shriek, right? So, yeah, it's, um, it, it is amazing. When, when, when you don't have access to the Word of God, you think about this. You know, you and I can open up First Peter 5, 7, right? Cast your cares on him for he cares for you. When you can't do that, right? I mean, you have an inkling that God cares about you, and he knows you intimately, but to be able to open that word every day in your own language at a level you can understand. My mom died last June, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. That that just carried our family. You know, my mm-hmm. mom died a believer. We know yeah. where she's at. And yet yeah. again, uh, most evangelical Christians in the region of Asia go without their very own copy of the Bible. And so we've said together as two ministries, by the end of June, can we solve this for 16,000 Bibleist believers? You can do that at only $5 a Bible. I mean, it's not a huge uh, investment. If $100 is in your budget, that's 20 Bibles, right? Uh, $500, that's 100 uh, Bibles to to, uh, Bibleist evangelical Christians. We've set up uh, two ways to get involved. Number one is a toll-free number, if I might give that right now. Uh, 800-YES-WORD. 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D. That's 800-YES-WORD. Or just uh, go to sendbiblesnow.org. That is a special giving site uh, set up for AFR listeners. Again, sendbiblesnow.org. We will rejoice uh, wherever we end up on uh, June 30th. But i got to tell you, AFR listeners, you've never disappointed us. You've been incredibly kind. Mm. We're so grateful for that. But it'll be a joy to uh, sing the Hallelujah Chorus when we hit that goal and let these Christians know your Bibles, they're coming. So as I understand, you guys are on track for the one billionth 
Bible or study to be handed out? Have yeah, you hit this yeah. mark? Like, how close it's coming are you? up. It's going to happen this year, right? And okay. so I, you know, you may need to circle back. Say, hey, remember That's what you, I'm saying. Remember yeah. how you told us it was ten years for? Yeah, anyway, <laughs> yeah, one billionth. Yeah, you know, we couldn't do. That's this. incredible. Yeah, it's it really amazing. is by the grace of God, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, He is moving again. We, we we often we get so caught up in the busyness of life and 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 trying to keep track of what you know how Target is, you know, <laughs> trying to. You know, target our families in a bad way. You know, we've got to be reminded that God is moving mightily. Um, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw the nations to myself. And that's happening. It's happening in Asia, and to think that we get to be a part of it today. Yeah. Amen. Michael, thank you. Thank it's great you. To, God bless to get you. to sit down Congrats and talk on 10 you. years. Hey, Thank we you. appreciate it. You guys are good at what you do. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank All right. Uh, Michael Woolworth, everybody. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it's always very sobering to me whenever we talk about the Word of God and then we kind of juxtapose where we are in this country and, and where people are in other countries, mm. the preciousness of the Word of God. Yeah. And I find that it just reminds us that, hey, we want to continue to foster that, yeah. not only in our own lives, but in the lives of our children, That's sort of right. the next generation of the church that is here right now, right? Amen. Which is a great segue, because on the other side of this break, we're talking about kids. We're going to have Dr. Kathy Cook, who is in the room, <laughs> and we're going to talk about the importance of children and also her involvement in the Marriage Family Life Conference happening June 6th, 7th, and 8th. That's right. Whoa. Yay. July. <laughs> July. 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 Sorry, Dr. July. Kathy corrected me. All right, we'll take the break and we'll be right back. They said that boy insane. He gone, he loves his brain. He too zealous. He just trying to go against the grain. He got his whole life ahead of him, so this is strange. But they don't get that getting other shit just isn't game. And marriage is a pain. Welcome back to Ernie Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And you know, it's been a long few days here. It's It seems like, okay, it's day three. Yeah. of NRB, but it just feels a lot longer. There's a, there's a whole lot going on, right? A lot going on. Um, but yeah. that when you're, you know, hosting a conference and, and <laughs> one, of your, one of your conference speakers says, mm, I'm sorry, it's not in June. <laughs> you're probably going to be in Wisconsin in June, right? Like, it's not, it's not. You're like, no, I know it's not in June because I can't be there. It's in July. The Marriage Family yes. Life Conference is, is in July. July 6th, 7th, and 8th in Tupelo, Mississippi. That's right. Cadence Bank <laughs> Arena. Got Help me. <laughs> Throw her a lifeline because she's sink. She's sink. Oh. Anyway, Dr. Kathy Cook is here with us. And I'm I've glad to be here. I've been talking a lot. I, know, I get you it. You know what I mean? I totally get the brain fog. Using a lot of words. I just panicked because I will not be available at those dates in June. <laughs> and I've made a commitment to be at your conference. So there was this immediate, ah. No, that can't be it. That no. can't be it. Um, all right, Dr. Kathy Cook, I feel like our audience knows you so well, cool. and I feel like they've been so grateful and so blessed, uh, not only by your content, but by our conversations. Mm. In fact, you are back with us this summer because of popular demand. Oh, my goodness. Like, some people are like, we're not coming. Like, oh, un- seriously? Unless, unless Dr. Kathy is there, <clears throat> we're not coming, and we're going to boycott. I doubt that's true. <laughs> I, I would say that everyone on my team was delighted to get the invitation because we were impressed with what you do. It's multi-generational, yes. biblical worldview. I knew that going in, but I didn't know mm-hmm. until I got there. That You take seriously these couple of days to educate the children, the preteens, the teens, the adults, the grandparents. I loved the multi-generational yeah. family, right? Yeah. yeah. When you see the grandparents holding the grandkids' hands and taking all their opportunities seriously, yeah. I'm looking forward to coming back, and I hope people will join us for sure. It's truly yeah. a blessing, and the content that you provide, the encouragement, and I, I feel like it's a 
practical approach to life, mm. but it's also very profound, and it's been uh, such a blessing to our conference attendees that we're really ecstatic that you were able to join us and that we could work it all out with your traveling schedule. Yeah. Uh, speaking of traveling, so you're here, you're at NRB. In what capacity are you here? Is it with your podcast? Is it with your books? Is it with your ministry? Because there's so much that you're doing. <clears throat> yes, yes, and yes. Um, okay, okay. <laughs> we, we are actually here um, partnering with Techless, which is a phone that we promote. Okay. It's a fabulous phone for anyone of any age. It has no internet, no World Wide Web, no social media, no gaming. You can't add any apps. Okay. So it's a great, safe phone. Great phone for adults who don't want to be distracted by email and websites on their phone, but they need a way to stay in contact with people. Great first phone for kids. So we're here promoting a safe initiative with their phone, techlist.com is that website. And then we have a podcast at our ministry that is done by a 10-year-old little girl named Ella Hannigan, and it's Childlike Faith with Ella. And it's precious because she interviews Spiritual leaders, moms and dads, some significant people whose names would be known. In fact, we need to get both of you on there. And she asks questions about childlike faith. What is it? Is it important? How do you keep your faith childlike? One of my favorite questions that she asks these people is, what is one of your favorite Bible verses? Mm -hmm. And the variety that she's getting is beautiful. And she's 10, and she knows how to interact. So, you know, we're a family ministry, so we're delighted about that. We're gonna, we have a new podcast. My podcast is called Facing the Dark, where we look at cultural moment. And then from a Celebrate Kids Ignite the Family perspective, what would we say about that? Mm-hmm. And people are responding really well to that. And then we're here with my books, just trying to meet people, just like you're trying to meet people. Absolutely. And, you know, the energy in the room, right? Yeah. Like it's almost like it's almost too much. It's like, incredible. I, right? Like after yeah. a while, like. Let me go to the hallway for a little bit. (laughs) But, you know, how encouraging to see all of us podcasting, all of you on the radio, all the different groups trying to do film and media and, you know, podcasts and books and whatever. It's just... Just very, very encouraging. The, yeah. the gospel is being preached, and, yeah. and Christian people are rising up, and they care deeply about culture. They care deeply about family, and for us to be here is stimulating, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dr. Kathy, you travel this country a lot, and just yeah. speaking of the things that you're talking about and what you have observed, um, are we making a difference in what we're doing? Oh, like, in the places that you go, like, <laughs> does it seem like, that, you know, we're being effective, Oh, yes. That's, you know, what a fair question. Like, you guys don't want to be in a room talking to nobody, right? Right, and, right. And you, no, and I don't either. And I, I don't want to be known. I want to be impactful. Yes. You know, and that's, again, privileged to be here today because wow. that's who I see you being with your children and then with the community at large. Absolutely, we're being effective. You're being effective. Um, more and more nominal believers are checking out the wisdom of those who have walked longer with their Christ. And people who are deep in the faith are realizing, just because I know I've known God a long time, doesn't mean I know God and how he would want me to behave today in this cultural mess. So I think that's been attractive to people. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of people who are abandoning things like the public schools, looking for other options, because they hear a lot of Christians and conservative people talking about the wisdom of that, but they don't know what they're really doing. Mm-hmm. And so they're caught off guard, and they're looking to people like you for you know, wisdom more than the soundbite. Like, mm-hmm. And they're watching you, and they know that you're, you're making it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the church even cares about what you do, because there are churches who are not doing a great job biblically. Sadly, what a sad statement that I would be able to make that. So I think there are Christian leaders in our churches who are looking to people like you and maybe to me, okay, what's the truth for this and yeah. how would I proclaim that? Yeah, I think so. And that's, and that's what I'm wondering. I mean, like, for those of us who operate in this vein, you know, are, are we being 
from what you've observed, are we being faithful to that call? Are we being faithful to that challenge? And then, and, and you're, you're speaking to this right now, but I guess the other things that I wonder is, you know, do we have ways, and you're answering this, to even measure that, to look at that and to mm-hmm. see things shifting and to see things changing in culture? We know, go ahead, you want to speak no, to go, that? No, go, keep okay. talking. I was just going to say, we know that whenever the gospel, um, if you will, infects a society, that society changes. Yeah. Like oh, we're always trying yeah. to work from the top up, but the gospel kind of works from the bottom up, well, right? Preach it. Doesn't it? Yeah. You know what I, what I see is consistency. When they see that you're consistent in the truth that you proclaim, and you don't change the truth because of the cultural moment. That's right. You don't change the truth because somebody didn't like yesterday's broadcast because you went a little bit too deep in something. Oh, my goodness. When people find people who are willing to courageously speak and teach and live out truth, they're looking for that. They may not know they're looking for that, but it's attractive. Yeah. And when they find it, I think they keep going there. So for me, as I travel and as I speak and as I do things like exhibit halls, again, I, I tell people all the time, I don't do anything I do to be famous. It's all about being faithful. Yeah. If I become known, it will be because I've chosen to be faithful. So when people come up to me here mm-hmm. and they, what they say is <laughs> they remember this idea I taught them. Like, they, they don't come up to me and, like, like you're amazing. I don't, I don't want to be amazing. But people come up and say, like, I just had somebody say, my mom thinks you're amazing. She told me to meet you. I just met you. Would, you, would it be embarrassing? Could we do a selfie? Yeah. Because I was <laughs> raised on your books. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's what that mm-hmm. guy said. Wow. And so, of course, we did, we did a picture. So to know that there's influence, mm. and that's what U2 stands for. That's what AFR and AFA and – so it's right. That's why we yeah. do what we do to yeah. be difference makers. Dr. Like Kathy. Done, what it's, he said. Yeah. Well, being faithful. That's exactly know, not, right. Not being famous and, you know, just being faithful We're to what God has called you to do. Bingo. Yeah. Be satisfied with operating in your gifting on Amen. your journey and this comparisonitis that's in this culture. Come, Come on. And like here, oh, we're, like, we're not in the exhibit hall right now. If we went downstairs, it's so dangerous. And how many viewers do you have? Oh, it's and so how many dangerous. downloads do you have? And what, you know, oh my goodness. It, that's a way of measuring some mm-hmm. level of success. And maybe, maybe donors need to know that. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more to it. In your spirit, do you feel God is saying yes? Mm. Keep on doing it. Come on. Then keep on doing <laughs> it. And faithfulness is is blessed, right? Look Amen. at the two of you. I'm so proud of you. Oh, Dr. Kathy, I look. I'm I'm almost. I my eyes are burning just a little bit. Let me tell you because when I talk to you, and I've said this to you before, like just in the hall after we've. Whenever I talk to you, there is I'm overwhelmed by the sense of the spirit of God at work uh, in you. You're just so discerning, and you can tell very led. I don't know if you can measure being led by the Spirit of God. Either you are or you are not. But I feel like I want to say very led by the Spirit of God. And and I feel like sometimes when you speak, you're like the ninth nugget in an eight piece. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know that, that nugget? Beautiful. You know that nugget that you were like, wait a minute. This is an eight count. And then and then you have this one. And you're like, oh. That is high praise. Right? Right? So I feel that when I talk to you, and I really appreciate it, because I I just want to run a highlighter over some of the things that you've said. And I think especially in the world that we live in today, many people will not admit that they actually are going for being known or they Mm. do want the fame. But I want to run a highlighter over this call to be faithful and to be impactful. You said, I don't want to be known. I want to be impactful. Like I I want to really glorify God in the work that I'm doing. Yes. That's important. I want to make a difference. Otherwise, there's other things I could do. Ministry is not fun. Oh, my goodness. Come on. This is not for wimps. <laughs> now, 
because we're called to it and gifted by the Lord by His grace and mercy, I wouldn't do I wouldn't do anything else. Right. I mean, absolutely. And yet, I would say, and you both would testify to this that it isn't easy. No. Uh, and so, but it's right, right? When you're called, it's right. So yeah. I talk about the dangerous P's: popularity, position, pride. Come on. <laughs> you know, and uh, no, it's it's faithful and not famous and. You know, God's gifting and relying on that and celebrating. I had a pastor once who said, puffed up with praise, not puffed up with pride. Because mm. I was so afraid, like I was being thanked so much and mm. people would clap and I would admit I like it, you know. And I'm, right. like, I'm so right. scared it's of nice pride. To be liked. You know? right. Yeah, well, it is. You don't want to be hated, you know. Right. And uh, David looked right at me and he said, you know, just be puffed up with praise, Kathy. Just always give it back. Amen. And then it's okay. And that's what we need to be doing. Amen. Right. You know, we had an interesting conversation right. uh, yesterday with. Alan Parr, who is the the host or the creator of the YouTube channel, The Beat, where he gives biblical apologetics for what's happening in the culture. And, and, and I'm bringing this up for a reason. You'll understand. Just a second. He has, I have to say this because of the context of our conversation. So he has over a million subscribers, right? But he recently did a video saying that he was taking a step back from the channel. He said he put so much work in this channel and he found, among other things, he gave four reasons why he was taking a step back. But he said that he found that his identity oh. was beginning to be wrapped up in the praise that he was receiving, mm. that, that he was kind of finding his worth in the likes and in the shares. Mm. And I think about the type of culture that we live in, and so much of what is defined as success mm. is based on, like, the likes and the shares. And it's not whether or not our Father in Heaven is pleased with what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't do a thumbs up, you know. Right, exactly. Um, so, no, right. I, I appreciate that. And, you know, if you don't mind, let me pivot. Sure. Because I don't even like that word. I used it. <laughs> <laughs> Should we stop using pivot? Yeah, this just in. Dr. Kathy says yeah. no more pivoting. Let, let's just let's just talk about parents, right? Like they could go for popularity. They could yeah. go for friendship. I want my kid to like me today. Mm-hmm. To any parent and grandparents who's listening, who stays true to the word of God and their values and their boundaries because it's right, even when the kid says hateful things and you don't really love me and I hate that you're my mom. Oh, my goodness, I'm so proud of those parents and grandparents who are standing up for truth. So it's not just that the three of us stay consistent and look for faithfulness, but it's the moms and the dads and the grandparents who I know you and I care deeply about. Yes, absolutely. Stay the course and and don't apologize. You know, in our family, this is how it is. I'm not raising the neighbors, Mm -hmm. and we're not responsible for those kids, but we're responsible for you. Mm -hmm. Amen. And so we are going to do our job, and you don't have to like it right now. Mm -hmm. And you may never thank me. Chances are you may someday. Mm-hmm. You know, I know of a mom right. who just received a few days ago a beautiful note from an adult son who said, I haven't thanked you, something to the effect, I haven't thanked you enough, but I just spent the weekend with my cousins, and I'm so grateful you and dad did it differently because mm-hmm. they're into the scene. Mm-hmm. That's good. And this, this young man was not. And so don't do it for thanks, and don't do it, you know, for, for popularity, position, and pride. You do it because God's called you to it, and you make sure you stay the course Faithfulness and consistency and true is not just important for those of us in media. Mm-hmm. A family, come on, that, that's a loud voice. You might mm-hmm. not have a microphone in front of you when you're come talking on. to your son and daughter at the dinner table. <laughs> but, oh, my goodness, yeah. right? Yeah. That's yeah. so good. You know, we were talking even, I mean, just to your point, we're talking 
um, about our 13-year-old son and, and talking to him about, you know, what it is to be a man and even mm. the small things, you know, and, and we think how we're looking at the big fish. We want to see our country change. We want to see things kind of like, like, where are we going? And what we're constantly saying is, okay, begin at your right dinner at, table. Right at home. Oh, that's like, so good. Begin right with your kids, you know, yeah, like absolutely. our, you know, our son, if he's, if he's, you know, demonstrating uh, poor male characteristics, like if we're like, that's not, you're not behaving like a man, son. You've got, we've got to be able to talk about those things yeah. and say, here's what the Lord requires <laughs> of you. Here's how you put yourself second, how you consider others. Like, this is what the Bible says about those who've been born again. Yes. It's not like our standard. It's what the Lord says about yes. what he's called you to. Yes. And I like to say to young people that his boundaries are blessings because love is his motivation and his goal. Mm. And, and I would hope that that would be true in our families as well, that, yeah. you know, this is when you are to be home and, and you're not allowed to game any longer today. And That's we, right. we don't eat that kind of food and yes. we have boundaries because we're being obedient to the call upon our lives to be this type of a person. And, you know, the, you, I want you to know, son, my motivation is pure. My motivation is I love you. Yeah. I love you so much. I won't let this, to, I won't let this continue. Yeah. It's not good for your heart, not good for your spirit. And again, you don't have to like it. Yeah, that's so good. You know, I think about and sometimes when we we get the moans and the groans when we sit down to do math. And I and I very lovingly say, hey, I already took this course. (laughs) (laughs) I just I just want you to know I've already I've already learned this. And so I'm sitting here for you, buddy. Like I'm I'm here with you for you. Okay, Dr. Kathy, you're going to be with us in July and we're super excited about it. If we had more time. I'd ask for a preview, but we don't. All I can tell our listeners is go to marriagefamilylife.net. That's right. Marriagefamilylife.net. Registration is still open, Mm -hmm. and you'll have the opportunity to get that ninth nugget. I love it. (laughs) Show up. You get that ninth nugget. You won't be sorry that you did. We're out of time for today. Thanks so much for listening to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. Faith. Family. Freedom. American Family Radio.